Good evening, everybody. Would you turn your Bibles tonight to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8 tonight. The title of our message tonight is A Living Sacrifice. A Living Sacrifice. In the Old Testament, uh, we're very well aware that uh, sacrifice and uh, the priest offering sacrifice on the part of the people was the way that sins were dealt with back then. Uh, On an annual basis, Folks were required to bring certain sacrifices for certain sins and the priest had a horrible, terrible job of slaughtering those sacrifices and cutting them up and draining the blood out and offering all the various sacrifices on a, uh, on a uh, stone altar with a hot fire underneath it and, and the aroma of those sacrifices would go before God and as God could smell those sacrifices, God was pleased. It was an act of worship. But the thing was, these sacrifices did not forgive sin. These animal sacrifices only pushed sin forward from one year to another year to another year to another year. It's not ironic. God is very providential. God knows all things he's doing at all times. This morning, Pastor Darrell was preaching to us about the wedding at the Cana of Galilee and how that uh, those water pots... Uh, had to do with the Old Testament and had to do with the old system and, and those water pots being full of water. Water could do nothing, could it? Water could influence in no way. But Jesus transformed the water inside of those water pots being six in number, being an incomplete number, and Jesus turns the water into wine, and what happens? It's fulfilled, isn't it? There's a new way. The new way is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. One of our pillars here at Hope in Christ Fellowship, one of our purposes, as you see when you come into the building, is worship. As you come into the foyer, one of the large banners talks about worship. Inside your bulletin every week, it talks about worship. Why are we here? We're to worship God. What I hope to do tonight is expand our thinking on what is worship. We live in a day and time that I think uh, folks have become so consumed with the world and so much of our time is consumed with the world and so much of our energy is consumed upon the world that even us Christians um, to some degree each and every one of us starting with me to some degree each and every one of us have become worldly would you agree with that tonight to some degree you're worldly to some degree I'm worldly Uh, worship is the opposite of worldly Worship is living life in such a way that God gets glory and honor in all that we think, in all that we do, in all that we say, the way we act, the way we behave, the way we live life, the way we live life when we're all by ourselves. That's called integrity, isn't it? When no one else is around, the way I live my life determines whether I'm worshiping God or not. The way I live with my wife, the way I live with my children and my grandchildren, the way that I live life is to be an act of worship. The way I live my life, where I work, is to be an act of worship. Uh, The way I live my life out in the public arena, the way I live my life if I'm out shopping or I'm out having fun or wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, 
I'm supposed to be like a city set on a hill. I'm supposed to be a light in a dark, dark place. I'm to live my life as an act of worship. I'm to live my life as a living sacrifice. Now, I started off talking about the Old Testament way of sacrificing animals and things because when you kill an animal, that animal seeks to exist, doesn't it? It would be called a what? A dead sacrifice. But Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus says that we are now to offer ourselves to God. Uh, the greatest commandment in all of Scripture, as we well know around here, is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we love God, we're worshiping Him, aren't we? The second commandment is to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. When we're loving our neighbors, we are worshiping God. This all has to do with the scripture we'll look at tonight. In the way that we live life, we are living sacrifices. We are to live sacrificially. We're to live sacrificially. Got a phone call last week. Got a phone call one day last week. Gentleman was uh, calling and asking for Michelle's phone number. Said that he had a friend who who had heard Michelle sing and, and he was wanting to reach out to her and talk to her because he had friends in high places. And they were interested in taking Michelle from her lowly life to a, a, a greater life, you know. Bright lights, marquee signs and all these things and such. I'm just picking on my wife because she can take it, you know. My wife, I believe with all my heart, I believe my wife is a beautiful lady. I think she's been given a gift. I think the voice that she possesses is nothing that she would brag about or ever talk about. But God has beautifully blessed her with a great voice to bring him honor and glory. But this is not the first time we've ever received a phone call, want to talk to Michelle about doing bigger things in life, doing greater things in life, making lots of money, singing to lots and lots of people. And Michelle from day one has always said, I'm just happy singing for the Lord. I'm just happy being married to Steve and being a pastor's wife. I'm content with being a mother, now a grandmother. And my life is to be a life of sacrifice to God. See, being a sacrifice lots of times is us denying who we are. As John the Baptist said, we must decrease that he may increase. Every door that opens is not a golden opportunity. Did you know that? But tonight as we read this scripture, here's what we'll find. We're to live our lives 24 hours a day, 7 days a week living for the glory of God, sacrificing whatever has to be sacrificed in our lives in order to bring glory and honor to him first and foremost. And if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be added unto us. Will be added unto us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I love the King James Version here. He says, I beseech ye, brethren. I beseech thee. That sounds commanding, doesn't it? 
Sounds like he's begging, doesn't he? And, and, and he is. Paul is literally begging the church. He's literally begging his brothers and sisters in the Lord. I appeal to you. Some versions say, I implore you. In other words, big words, commanding words. He's saying, please listen to what I'm trying to tell you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, fellow Christians, by the mercies of God. Now, why would he start out by saying, by the mercies of God? Because if it weren't for God's mercy, we could not present ourselves as living sacrifices because if it wasn't for the mercies of God, guess what? We would all be dead anyway, weren't we? Wouldn't we? But I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by the mercy of God that's been shown to you, the fact that you're alive, that you're breathing, that you have a life at all, to present your bodies living sacrifice. Now, all that I am tonight and all that you are is contained within this body, contained within your body. So Paul is saying if, if we will take our bodies, which is the outward shell, and within it is a soul and a spirit. Take all that you are and live as a sacrifice to Almighty God. Now then, in the Old Testament, when those animals were sacrificed... There was nothing wasted. The whole thing was used in the form of the sacrifice. The same goes for a living sacrifice. God wants every bit of me. God wants every bit of you. From the top of our heads to the tip of our toes, inside and out, God wants us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Alive. Alive. Right? Who, who on planet earth ought to be excited about living? We should, shouldn't we? Why? Because we're children of the king. Well, our king is the king of a kingdom to come. No, our king is a king of all kingdoms at all times in all places. God is king. Jesus is Lord. Well, doesn't seem like Jesus is Lord in America right now. Jesus is Lord in America right now. Jesus is Lord in China and Afghanistan and South America and North America and both polars on the top and the bottom of the earth. God is God of all things, of all places. Jesus is Lord of all things in all places. And we look around the world and we think, how could a God who is absolutely sovereign and providential and is to be in control of all things, how could this world be in the, such a mess that it's in because of you and me? Because of you and me and people just like us. God is in control. God is in control. We are to be living sacrificially to him in all that we do all the places we go, in every thought that we think, in every action that we carry out, we're to live our lives as living sacrifices, giving everything that we are to Him. And we're to live in a holy manner. Holy. Holy. The Bible says that without holiness, we'll never see him. 
Now, aren't you glad for the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that the holiness that God can see in my life tonight is the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ? But from the time God saved me till the time God calls me home, I am to little by little by little by little by little over time, I am to decrease that Jesus may increase. And I'm going through the process and you're going through the process. If you're truly born again and saved, we are slowly going through the process of sanctification. In other words, every day that I live, I'm to sacrifice a little bit more of myself to be a little bit more like Jesus, living as a holy sacrifice, living as a living sacrifice, living a holy life. Again, living holy when I'm all by myself. That includes the things I look at, whether it's a human being, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a book, whether it's a computer screen, whatever, whatever it is that I'm around or a part of or being a part of, everything that I see, everything that I listen to, everything that I introduce into my body, I'm to live holy. I'm to live holy. Now, I learned a long time ago, trash in, trash out. Huh? World in, worldliness in, worldliness out. Whatever I place my eyes upon, whatever I allow into my ears, whatever I surround myself with, little by little by little, that's what I become. So how am I to become more like Jesus? How am I to become more like Jesus? I need to hang around Jesus, don't I? Absolutely. God wrote a book, didn't he? God wrote us a love letter. God wrote us a love letter that contains 66 books. I'm to spend an exorbitant amount of time in the Word of God reading God's love letter to me. How can I be holy apart from taking in the Word of God? I talked about this last Sunday. A reading plan for 2020. We'll roll this out the 1st of February. Be a part of that. Be faithful to that. Spend time in God's Word. Not only spend time in God's Word. Now now know this, know this, as we know how the Bible teaches this. My holiness that I can produce all by myself are as filthy rags. Now I can work and work and work and do and do and do and labor and labor and labor. And if I'm doing it for my own sake, then my labor is in vain. I can't be holy. I cannot be holy. What I'm talking about is participating in the things that God has called me to do as a believer. As I'm a living sacrifice unto God, I'm obeying Scripture, and the only way I can obey Scripture is to take in Scripture. Read the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. Radio, TV, here in the house of God. So important for us to be faithful to the house of God. Sunday morning, Sunday night, small groups, whatever opportunity you have. Right now, most of our small groups aren't meeting. 
Fate was telling me this morning that, that he had visited a, a church near his home last Wednesday night because there was nothing we were offering. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Why would he do that? Because he's hungry for the word of God. And so he attended a house of worship so that he could hear the word of God so that he could grow in the knowledge of God to be a living sacrifice, to learn how to be more holy by enjoying the holiness that Jesus Christ places on the inside of us. The more like Jesus we are, the more we resemble him, the holier our lives are. Can I get an amen? It says holy and acceptable to God. Now, I think holiness, I think holiness could probably, probably be compared to righteousness, don't you? Is that fair, Brother Darrell? Could holiness not be compared to righteousness? I don't think they're, I think they're inseparable, don't you? I think righteousness and holiness go right together. And I think that if there is such a thing that comes out of the lips of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist and many others about being self-righteous, there would probably be such a thing as self-holiness. Now this is talking about a holiness that is acceptable to God. We're measuring holiness to God himself. We're measuring holiness to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. Now see, under the Old Testament, people would bring all kinds of sacrifices, but God spelled out what kind of sacrifices he would receive and what kind of sacrifices he wouldn't receive, right? He wanted the best there was. And if it wasn't the best, he rejected it. He rejected it. But when it comes to being a living sacrifice, when it talks about living a holy life, we're talking about the living sacrificial way of living. We're talking about the holy life living that God approves, that God accepts, acceptable unto God. Now this next line is so key to understanding everything I'm trying to pull together and bring to you tonight. It says, which is your spiritual worship? Which is your spiritual worship? Steve, I thought worship was singing songs. It is. I thought worship was praying. It is. I thought worship was sitting still and quiet while the man of God preaches the word of God. It is. But it's so much more. It's so much more. Right here, the Apostle Paul is defining spiritual worship. Remember Jesus talking to the, uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And he was telling her that God seeks people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. There's a right way of worshiping and there's a wrong way of worshiping. There's a right way of living as a holy sacrifice and there's a wrong way of living as a holy sacrifice. There's a right way of living holy and there's a wrong way of living holy. There's a right way to worship and a wrong way to worship. He says this is your spiritual worship. So worship has been expanded to how we live all of life. An old saying, an old saying. Brenda's heard this a million times. We've talked about this as we travel over the road and stuff. The old timers used to say, it doesn't matter how high you jump or how loud you shout. It matters how you walk. 
throughout life, seven days a week. Anybody can come in this building and put on a show. Hey, it's easy to put on a show. You, you watch somebody who's truly spiritual and you can mimic them and you can mock them. And listen, you may fool me and you may fool others, but you're not fooling God. He says, be a living sacrifice, holy, which is acceptable to God. This is how you worship God. Now, if you're coming to the house of God week after week after week after week, and you sit there dry, and you, you sit there, and you can't feel anything, you can't experience anything, and, and when you pray, you, you feel like your prayers are going no further than the, the ceiling that you're praying under, and you just can't figure out, why has everybody else got something that I don't have? Maybe you've truly been born again. But how are you living life? How are you living life? How how you treat your spouse? How you treat your children? How you treat your grandchildren? How how are you treating your brothers and sisters as far as blood kin as well as brothers and sisters in the Lord? How are you working? Are you working hard? Are you putting in your airs? Are you are you truly giving the boss man enough enough work for the pay that he's giving you? How are you treating people out in public? How are you living life? Because if we don't get this right, then worship is not truly happening. Just going through the motions. Just going through the motions. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters included. Can I throw that in? By the mercies of God. See, it takes God's help in every ounce of this taking place, right? God gets the glory for it. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. I touched on it already, but he brings it out here. Do not. Say that with me. Do not. We all understand what that means? Now see, if you take those two words and separate them, the first word is what? But if you put a not on the end of do... Don't. Amen. Do not do this is what he's saying. Do not be conformed to this world. Now if you take the C-O-N off of conformed, you've got the word formed, don't you? And we know what it means for something to take form, don't we? What he's saying is don't get wrapped up Don't get wrapped around the world. Don't be influenced by the world. The world is soon coming to an end as we know it. Pastor Darrell preached graciously and wonderfully all through the book of Revelation. We know how it turns out. This world and everything about this fallen world will be consumed with the judgment of God one day through fire and be totally and completely destroyed and remade. So why are we living for the world so much when we know for a fact that any moment, any moment on God's timetable, everything as we know it will be done away with. and There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't do it. How easy, how easy is it to be conformed to this world? We are bombarded on every side. 
every sign. TVs in our home, radios in our car, smartphones, tablets, billboards, magazines, everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, hey, you need this. Hey, you need that. Hey, you need to look like this. Hey, you need to sound like this. Hey, you need to live in this house. Hey, you need to, li- you need to drive this car. Hey, you, 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 come be conformed to the world. Billions of dollars being spent every day to conform everybody on planet Earth to this world. It's a battle. It's a day-to-day battle to not be conformed to this world. And there's only one way. There's only one way to not be conformed to this world. And you know what it is? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Everything I just talked to you about, the commercials, the radio ads, The little pop-ups when you're scrolling through Facebook and you're seeing all those advertisements. Everything screaming at you day by day by day by day. Be conformed to this world. There's only one way to not be conformed to this world and it is to be transformed by renewing our minds. How is it that we renew our minds? We must protect our minds. Remember when we was about this big in Sunday school? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Huh? Remember that? Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Remember all that? That was wonderful, wonderful teaching, wasn't it? Why? Because whatever we let in through our eyes and whatever we let in through our ears, it renews our mind. And as we think, we are. So how do we renew our minds? By testing, by testing. How do we test? Well, again, we have to spend a good amount, a large amount of time absorbing the Word of God through our eyes, through our ears, reading it, hearing it, studying it, memorizing it, meditating upon it, sharing it with others. There's only one thing In all of existence today that will transform our minds, that will renew our minds in a way that is acceptable unto God. And that is being transformed by the renewing of our mind to the Word of God. To the Word of God. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Now it said here... Uh, that that which is your spiritual worship, what is acceptable to God. So how do we determine what is acceptable to God? How do we know what the will of God is? Because God has given us his will in his word. I cannot stress the importance of the word of God to a child of God's life. Cannot stress that enough. How do we test, how do we discern what the will of God is. How do we know what is good? How do we know what is acceptable? How do we know what is perfect? How do we know what is mature? The Word of God. The Word of God in prayer. And let me just say something about prayer. 
I think prayer has gotten a bad rap. I think prayer has been very, very, very misunderstood in the church among God's people. We have come to think and believe that prayer is the device that we're to use to change God's mind to conform to our wills. Now God says ask what you want. He welcomes the asking. But he welcomes the asking so that when we pray something not his will, he can educate us on his will is in order to conform us to his will. Prayer is more about getting us lined up with God than getting God lined up with us. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I've said this again and again and again. God has far more important information to download to you than we have to upload to him. How do we know how to pray God's will? By reading and studying his word and by spending a, a, a good amount of time in prayer listening versus talking. Look at the design. God said it when he made us. He said, listen twice as much as you talk. How many struggle with the disease I have? Anybody else? Why? Because what I have to say is important, right? And what you have to say is important, right? But in comparison to what I have to say and what he has to say, who do you think has more to say? Absolutely. For by the grace given to me, see there? He he begins by saying, by the mercies of God. I don't even want to think. I, I started to dwell on that, but I don't even want to think about who I would be or where I would be if it weren't for the mercy of God and if it weren't for the grace of God. Again, you understand grace and mercy. Mercy is God withholding from me what I truly deserve. And you know what I deserve as a sinner? I deserve death, the grave, and hell for all of eternity. That's what I deserve. But God is withholding that from me because his son Jesus died for me on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood for me, and my sins are under the blood. And as God sent his Holy Spirit to convict me and draw me to himself, I receive the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, God, not because of who I am or who I was or who I was born to or where I live or none of those qualifying factors, just by the grace of God, God saw fit to withhold judgment and eternal death to me. That encourages me to live as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is my spiritual act of worship. For by the grace given to me, now this, 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 is, just, this is just carrying on the pattern of how do we live as living sacrifices, how do we live holy lives, how do we live lives that are acceptable unto God, how how do we do this? Well, we do it by the mercies of God and we do it by the grace of God. We do it through understanding, knowing, and living out the word of God. And he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, 
All the believers, no one's disqualified. That you are not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. There should be some trumpets and fanfare right there. Huh? Big eyes and little U's by the world standard, right? The world gauges people by the amount of money they have, what kind of house they live in, what kind of car they drive, what kind of clothes they wear, what what level of education they have. But can I remind you, it's been a short, short time since we celebrated Christmas around here. And as we were reading the second chapter of Luke, who is it that they they send? Where where uh, Where does Joseph and Mary go? For the king of kings to be born to a barn stall, to a manger. And who are the first to hear from heaven's angels that the king is being born? The uneducated, the poor, the scoundrels of the day, those shepherds. Uneducated, didn't have two pennies to rub together. The nobodies of this world is who God first came and said, guess what? The greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind is given to you. Go spread the word. The Samaritan woman at the well, the Samaritans was the scum of the earth. It's what the Jews said. We don't, we, don't, we don't communicate with those people. And who does Jesus meet at the well? Not only a Samaritan, but a woman. If you know anything about Jewish customs... Priest, holy men, righteous men. They didn't spend time with women. That wasn't normal. That wasn't right. That wasn't allowable. So not only a Samaritan, but a woman. And not just a Samaritan and not just a woman. But she's been married five different times. And now she's shacked up. Jesus talks to her about worship. Jesus talks to her about eternal life. And Jesus talks about him being the living water. And that if she were to drink the water he has to offer, that she would never thirst again. And she believed him because he loved her. And he said, go. Be a missionary to your town. Go be a missionary to your people, the Samaritan people, and tell them what I've done for you. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There is no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom of God. And when you think you've arrived, you've quit worshiping. When you think you're all that in a bag of chips, you quit worshiping. When you think you're better than any person on this planet, by whatever measuring rod you're using to measure yourself with, you've ceased to worship God. You cannot be a living sacrifice when you think more of yourself than what you ought to think. Aren't you glad tonight that the ground is level at the foot of the cross? But we're to think... 
with sober judgment. Sober judgment. Where does this judgment come from? This judgment comes from the Word of God. This judgment comes from the Spirit of God. It it, it comes from being led of the Holy Spirit. It comes by living according to the Word of God. And here's what we have to know and realize. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God is married together and it's inseparable. Holy Spirit will never speak anything to you that's not found in the Word of God. The Word of God is God's Word captured and printed and handed down from generation to generation to generation. It is God's Word to us. Think with sober judgment. Listen, listen. Each according. Now, now here's, here's, here's where people, here's where we learn how that some people think that the pastor is more important than the janitor. that a deacon is more important than someone who parks cars or who someone who leads worship is more important than people who change diapers in the nursery. And he begins to explain it right here. We're to think with sober judgment as living sacrifices. All that we do the way we think is worshiping. Am I right? He talks about it right here. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. Know that it's because of God's grace and mercy that every one of you are not burning in hell right now. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now I'm being transparent and honest with you. I'll trade with anybody here in a New York minute. I didn't ask. And I'm not begrudging. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I've said this again and again and again. I had no desire to be a preacher. And I certainly had no desire to be a pastor. Evangelism, I could handle that. Go in, fire the guns, load up in the wagon and pull away. Y'all deal with it. I was happy. I was content. I got to sit behind the keyboard. Brenda did all the talking. And the rest of them done all the singing. I didn't even have to sing. All I had to do is know what chord to start in and just play that song. Set up, tear down, crawl on the bus and go to the next appointment. Life was good. But God. But God. And his eternal plan formed me and knitted me together in my mother's womb. He he assigned when I would be born, to whom I would be born to, when I would be born, in what country, in what state, in what county, in what town, in what hospital. He had it all planned out from the foundation of the world. According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We are what we are in the body of Christ because God assigned us our assignments. God equipped us the way he equipped us. And as we read through this, continue watching this. This is how it plays out in the church. Here's how it plays out in the church. Listen, we need every one of us. We need every one of us. And when we study this, we realize, oh, so... She's not more important. No. She's not more useful. No. It takes all of us. 
It takes all of us doing what God has assigned for us to do. And when we realize this and when we, when we bring all this together, when we live this out in our own lives and then families live this out and then the church lives this out, wow. Now God is being worshipped and God is being glorified because we're all living together in community, in harmony, as living sacrifices. We're holy, we're acceptable unto God by His grace, by His mercy. For as in one body we have many members. Now, he's speaking of the church. Speaking of the church. He's comparing it to this right here. A body. A body. If any part of my body from head to toe doesn't function or doesn't function properly, I'm considered to be handicapped. I'm not, I'm not fully functional, so I'm handicapped. So it is with the body of Christ. We're all equally important in God's eyes. And God has equipped us and God has assigned us. So as the body is one, we have many members and all the members do not all have the same function. Different functions. God made it that way. And just because you don't understand a function doesn't mean it's not an important function. A lot of times in church, people just need to mind their own business. Huh? The best way for a church to function is for you to realize what part of the body you are and you just focus on what you ought to be doing. And when you get perfect at that, you set up an appointment with me and we'll find you some more assignments. I doubt the phone will ring. Am I right or am I wrong? God has set this up. And, and see how Paul orchestrates this. He starts with the individual. Me. When I get me right, then I can start helping others. But it takes a whole lot to get me right. It takes a whole lot to keep me right. Ain't no commentary right now. So we, say we, say we, say we, I just want to grind that in, we, not me, we and me, have you ever noticed W is just a flip-flop of a M? People go through the Bible all the time and flip them W's upside down and makes me out of it. It's not about, not about. See, you all thought I was a genius and thought that up. I found it right there. It's in the Word. It's from Genesis to Revelation. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Is it not ironic that the first murder in the Bible was over sacrifice? Over jealousy of sacrifice. See, Abel, he had an assignment, and Cain, he had an assignment. And if Cain would just been minding his own business like Abel was, see what happens when we start getting in one another's business? See what happens when we quit focusing on ourselves? The two people, you need to be focusing on him. Him and me, him and me, him and me. So we, 
Though many are one in Christ, in Christ, and individually members of one another, we're supposed to take care of one another, aren't we? Aren't we? Satan has a heyday turning we's into me's causing God's people to have falling outs with one another over the silly stuff. Over the stuff that don't count. Over the me stuff. See, you'll never have difficulty in church when me is not important. When, when we are at the forefront of it all, we will all get along until we all get to heaven. Because we know what's important, don't we? Now then, as God has assigned them, we all together having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. This is a Sunday morning sermon if I ever heard one in all my life. Because the preacher's preaching to the choir. And don't think more of yourself than you ought to think. But I'm bragging on you a little, just a little. Just a little. Having gifts. Who all has these gifts? Every born again believer has these gifts. And they differ according to God's grace as God has graciously given them to us. And because God has given them to us, use them. That's worship. That's worship. Using the gifts God has given us. We teach this in Hope 300. We lead you up to this and we help you discover what the gifts God has given you so you can begin using them. And the more people we know that have the more people we have that know what their gifts are and they're using them, then then as a body of believers, we're worshiping God and God's getting the glory out of all of our life. If prophecy, if prophecy in Proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list. This is a sampling. This is a sampling of the spiritual gifts that God has assigned. This is a sampling of the spiritual gifts that God has given to the body. To the one who exhorts in his exhortation. To the one who contributes in generosity. To the one who leads with zeal. To the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So what he's saying is this. By God's mercy and by God's grace we're not in hell. And out of an entire life of thankfulness for that grace and for that mercy. And because Jesus was the ultimate example of what sacrificial love looks like, then we too are to lay down our lives 
As Christ laid his down, we are to die daily. We are to take up our cross every day and follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not asking us to die in the here and now. He's asking us to die out to the worldly ways of living, the worldly ways of thinking. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed with the renewing of your mind. We renew our mind through the Word of God and through prayer and by serving. And the more we do, as God has assigned us to do, as we do those things, guess what happens? We're so busy for the kingdom of God scratching our head thinking, wow, when was the last time I was really concerned about getting involved in the world? I'm having so much fun. My life is so so much more fulfilled and so much more gratifying because I'm now living as the person that God has created me to be. And we can see this in the world today, church. We have people that are so confused Let's not fall into that confusion. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're one of the redeemed, shout amen. Amen. Are you a Christian? Let's be Christians. Christians have been called out of the world. And if Christians have been called out of the world, should we be in the world? In its affairs? Now we're living on planet earth. Now this is not saying don't live on planet earth. He's saying as you're living on planet earth, don't be conformed to the worldly ways of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind through Bible study, through prayer, through using your gifts and doing everything you do. Listen, Husbands, the way you treat and love your wife and your children and your grandchildren, that is worshiping God. So how are you worshiping God? How well are you worshiping God as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather? Because that counts. Husbands, wives, others, those of us that work outside the home, what's the godly example we're presenting to our co-workers? What about the example we give when we're at the gas station pumping gas or when we're inside the restaurant eating or when we're at the, uh, at the place of shopping, whether it's groceries or whatever we're doing? Everywhere that we are exposed to people, how are we living our lives in front of them? Sacrificially? Willing to be down here? Not up here? Just being who we are? Where we are by the grace and the mercy of God. Not thinking more of ourselves than we ought to. But just realizing that God saved us and God assigned us gifts. And through those gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're living all of life to direct people toward the Heavenly Father. When it's all said and done, that's all that's going to count. It's all said and done, that's all that's going to count. Whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. And here's what will matter. Did your life point people to God? Or did your life push people away from God? That's how we are going to be judged. We're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you're born again, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And it's been there from the foundation of the world. We're not going to be at the great white throne judgment as Daryl presented to us there at the end of time. That is where the lost people are going to be judged. 
It's done settled. If you're saved and born again, it's eternally settled. You will not be at the great white throne judgment. It, it won't be a nail-biting experience from now till then. And you say, I just hold my name's in that book. If your name's in the book, your name's in the book, and you know your name's in the book. Our judgment is going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to appear before him and he's going to judge us based from the moment we became saved till the time we showed up in front of him. And our works, that is, our sacrificial living or the lack thereof is what's going to be judged. How we thought, how we lived, how we acted. Did we point people to him? Did we point people away from him? In, in those gifts that he gave us. Did we do it to draw attention to ourselves? Did we do it to draw attention to our particular congregation? Or was it all about pointing people to Jesus and allowing Jesus to determine all the details? That's how we're going to be judged. And the things that we did to draw attention to ourselves or to anything besides Jesus, when the judgment fire hits those works, they'll be burned up. We burn up. But we ourselves will scarcely be saved. Now, if we lived our lives in the way that Paul is telling us here, by the mercies of God, if we're presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto Him, is which is our spiritual worship. And as our gifts have been assigned to us, and by the grace and mercy of God, we're living this life and pointing people to Jesus, not expecting anything in return from them or Him or anybody else. We're just living for the cause of Christ when we stand before Him. And the judgment fire is, is testing those works. They're going to endure. Jesus is going to scoop all that up. In exchange for us, he's going to present us with crowns. As he welcomes us in and we go and fall before the Father, we're going to take all those rewards, cast them at the feet of God, and say, I'm not worthy, but you are. I didn't do this, you did. It was because of you. It was because of your grace and your mercy and your assignment, and your power, and your direction, that anything was done in your name. God, to you and you alone be the glory. Live life that way, and you'll end life that way. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen.